Yeah. Eat, sleep, fantasy. You rocking with the best. NFL fantasy football podcast. We talking mock drafts, running backs. Better follow the conversation with John, Dale, Christian, and Armando. Screaming, eat nation. We doing what we like. Tune in every week. Guarantee we get it hype. Fantasy football enthusiasts. I know you plan to be joining us on Eat, Sleep, Fantasy. Yeah. Eat, sleep, fantasy. Eat, sleep, fantasy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eat Sleep Fantasy Football Podcast. This episode is presented by Underdog Fantasy. We'll get into that in a second. But we thank you guys for downloading and listening to us uh, once again. We've had a few episodes come out in the last couple of weeks, so we're back on track, and uh, we're happy to bring you fantasy goodness. Today, and pretty much every Wednesday, we're going to be on track to do a Special, and if you guys already looked in the title for this podcast, we're doing a special best ball podcast uh, basically every Wednesday throughout the whole offseason all the way up to week one. We will be talking best ball with you, and there is not one person in the world, and I'm not just blowing smoke, there is not one person in the world who knows best ball as good as my co-host today, Mikey. What is going on, bro? Dale, what's going on, man? This is going to be a ton of fun. Thanks for having me on here. Kind words. There's... Probably a million people I'd rather have than me discussing best ball. But if I'm better than uh, – if I'm the top of what you're thinking, then, you know, I'll take it. But good to be here. Thanks for having me on here, man. Look, if you do anything, 200 and – how many? 276? Is that what you're at? What, drafts this year? <laughs> uh, yes. I was at 276, but I signed up for another five uh, here in the last, like, two hours. So okay. two – not a math so, guy, even though I'm married to a math teacher. So, what, 281? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, two hundred. If you do some anything, two hundred eighty-one times, and uh, you're uh, you're pretty much an expert. Um, there, there's a lot of things I haven't done. Anyways, there is a we're we're talking best ball today, guys, and this is more of an intro episode. Even if you're familiar with best ball, uh, we're gonna kind of bounce back between me and Mikey, what we like, what we don't like, um, and most importantly, uh. Well, maybe not most importantly, but very importantly is Underdog Fantasy, our new partners here at Eat Sleep Fantasy. If you guys haven't checked them out, I highly recommend uh, to go to the website underdogfantasy.com and, or download the app. Um, it's in the App Store and all that good stuff. It's an easy, easy interface to use. It's a definitely up and coming. If you guys liked uh, Draft a while back, last what was it, last year, the year before, uh, very similar year, yep. product. Um, I think it's it's an upgrade from what we were using then. So definitely check it out. It's uh, it's worth it, and especially for best ball. I know they're going to go into some DFS stuff as the season progresses. But right now, it's all about best ball. And really, I mean, Mikey, what you what do you like most about best ball, especially this time of year? Well. I mean, there's a lot of things for me the, my favorite part about fantasy football in general is the draft and best ball. For those yeah. of you who don't know, it's basically, it's basically mock drafts with money on the line. So you get to do the draft. Uh, I actually, in an article I wrote several years ago, I actually compared it to the one night stand of uh, fantasy football, right? If you think of your standard dynasty leagues, those are a little bit more like marriage, if you think about a redraft league, that's like your typical boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever scenario you're into type of relationship. And if you think about best ball, it's more of a one-night stand. You mm -hmm. do the draft, yeah. you pick your players, and once it's done, 
you're done for the whole year. You literally can't do anything more. You can't add players, can't drop players, no trades, no setting lineups, none of that stuff. You literally do the draft and you're done. You hope you rack up some points and win some money along the way. So it's kind of the the hit it and quit it of fantasy football, if you will. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and then, you know, you, you don't really think about it until the end of the season and then you're hoping that you don't have any sexually transmitted diseases at the end just like how you know you and i kind of look at it like a lottery ticket a little bit yeah (laughs) you know you kind of look at a lottery ticket a little bit you look at it and you know you do the draft you don't have to worry about it and then at the end of the season you kind of look through and say oh shit i i want five bucks here i want ten bucks here all right you know and you can kind of go through and and you for the most part you know i was doing drafts and i was i forgot that i had a couple in different platforms and I was like, oh, shit, all right, this is cool. I, You know, I want an extra 20 bucks. I forgot about. So um, yep. definitely, uh, you know, if you don't have the time, if you love drafting, first of all, like what Mikey said, I mean, this is the format to do because you don't have to be super involved. And uh, it's just it's a fun way. And, and it really helps your fantasy football knowledge out as you're doing these best ball drafts. If you're getting ready for your redraft leagues, uh, especially for your redraft leagues, you're understanding ADP, you're understanding – the ADP is going to be a little different, right, Mikey, with between best ball and redraft, but it gives you a good idea. Yeah, I mean, it will be a little bit different because there's definitely a difference in some strategy that's involved. Like if you take guys like Will Fuller, Deshaun Jackson, those guys carry a little bit more value in redraft leagues because, or uh, in best ball leagues because the key, and we haven't quite gotten to this part yet, but the key to best ball leagues is you don't have to predict when a player is going to go off. You just have to have them on your team, and when they do – you get those points. So if you think about a guy like Deshaun Jackson who can get you 30 or he can get you zero, you don't have to go through the headache of trying to figure out when he's going to play. So guys like him are going to be a little bit higher in ADP than what you might find in redraft or what you might be more comfortable with. But in general, you'll get a pretty good sense of where where guys are going to fall and where guys are going to go throughout the draft. Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, I guess you would just label it consistency, right? consistency rankings and consistent looking at how consistent a player is, is really important in, you know, redraft and dynasty setting your lineups with best ball. How important is consistency? It is. And it isn't. Um, so I actually did an article a couple of years ago that I, you know, I'm not, it's funny. I work, my full-time job is in a marketing firm, uh, but I'm not a marketing guy at all. So my, the title of this article was quarterback usability. How boring is that? But it was all about which quarterbacks can give me the most usable QB one weeks. Uh, and not, you'll see a lot of articles out there that are about like, Hey, how many times did they finish as a QB one versus a QB two? This article was a little bit more about, okay, you need to score 150 points a week. That means you need to score. I think it was like 26 points a week from your quarterback. Now, which of these quarterbacks give you the most consistent performances of 26 or more fantasy points per week? Um, because some, in some cases you definitely want that consistency because you don't want to stack up a bunch of guys that don't, you know, that are going to give you just kind of bland and boring numbers throughout the season. But you also want to pepper in those spiked week guys like Deshaun Jackson, like Will Fuller, who's probably my favorite, uh, favorite player at cost here this year in this best ball season. But think about those guys that are just going to give you those random gigantic weeks that also carry some of the risk of a uh, very, very low floor. Those are the types of guys you want to pepper into your uh, best ball lineups and into your best ball dress because they have those big 30, 40 point weeks. You're going to automatically get those without having to figure out when that might be. Right. 
And for instance, on the uh, underdog ADP, Will Fuller is going right before guys like Singletary, Diggs, Keenan Allen. Just to kind of give you an idea, is that the is just that how is how best ball drafting works? I mean, is that would you agree with with kind of Fuller, Allen, Diggs kind of ranking there for best ball? Yeah, so Fuller, for me, is definitely one of my highest-owned players this year. I have about a 22% uh, market share of him, um, which, by the way, that's something important that you want to monitor if you start getting into it, or at least start doing it at volume, like 276 drafts. But, um, yeah, I mean, for me, the the ADP makes a lot of sense. But when you get into a redraft league or a dynasty league, you know, you get names like Stefan Diggs, right? That's obviously a very flashy name. I think you're going to see guys like him go before guys like Will Fuller because people are scared of Will Fuller. They don't trust him yet. He's always, you know, it seems like he's always hurt, and Diggs is always kind of that flashy, sexy name that, you know, he can get you those big games as well. So I do like Diggs. I'm not in on him very much this year. So the ADP that you just mentioned, Dale, that makes a lot of sense to me, but I think that's a pretty good example of where things might get different come redraft time and definitely during dynasty time where there's still a lot of people in on uh, Diggs and Singletary. And I can't remember if I missed anybody that you mentioned there. Sure. I mean, you know, that's that brings me kind of my next next topic here is, you know, looking when you're playing, um, you know, when you're on the app, you know, the Underdog Fantasy app and you're drafting against people that – maybe haven't drafted 200 plus times, you know, maybe they're just now getting into best ball. This is a time to kind of take advantage of them. I mean, we're gambling, right? And it's, it's money. So this is a kind of time to take advantage of the ADP a little bit and say, Hey, I understand where the ADP is, but with my understanding and my knowledge of best ball, use that to your advantage and get guys yeah. like Will Fuller, um, you know, a little sooner than the flashy names. Um, that's, yeah. that's just, well, that's kind and- of, Totally, man. And th- and not just that, dude. There's actually a, a couple like b- things that branch off of that as well. So what I mean by that is you think about some guys that are rising through the ranks right now, like their names are hot right now. So think Miles Sanders, right? Everybody's talking about Miles Sanders. Damien Harris has been getting a ton of hype in the last few weeks, whereas the previous several months of people doing drafts, he wasn't getting any hype and he was basically free. So his ADP is still relatively low where you can still – essentially get him at a gamble now of course there's the caveat that you need to be aware that other people are hearing that you know Damian Harris and they're starting to draft him a little bit earlier or Jarek McKinnon uh as another example but those guys are carrying very very low ADPs because people haven't really been drafting them up to this point so you can definitely take advantage not just in best ball but in redraft league and one uh redraft leagues but one thing that I like to do Dale is when I get started during the best ball season, now keep in mind I'm a freak about best ball. I start playing literally right after the Super Bowl or maybe early March at latest, which in my opinion is the best time to play because nobody has any clue what's going on there. You're just betting on talent. But what I do throughout the next several months is I actually take best ball ADPs and I use that to my advantage uh, in my dynasty leagues. And I go look at, okay, these players, some of these players are clearly undervalued by the masses, Maybe some of my opponents in my dynasty leagues are equally, uh, you know, equally down on that player. So I think about guys like Juju Smith-Schuster and Odell Beckham who go in the third and fourth round, which is insanity to me. Really not when you think about the players that go before them. But still, you get guys like Odell and Juju in the third round. You might as well go talk to the dynasty owner in your 
uh, dynasty leagues and see what they're thinking about Juju and Odell and Will Fuller and all those guys that are seem to be have a really good cost in ADP. So I, yeah, there's definitely opportunity to, to take advantage, uh, like you said. Right. Uh, go a little off topic here, Mikey. Um, and I don't mean to kind of break it. I think we have a good best ball conversation going up. But as you're talking, um, and those of you that have listened to ESF know um, I am one to do this, but I do have a question for the audience. And it's going to sound stupid, and I don't mean to sound like a dumb husband because, well, I kind of am. But, you know, I mean, there's like the prototypical, like, you know, you see it on TV all the time, and you're like, okay, you know, like – you watch, uh, you know, I don't know, like King of Queens, right? And it's like the dopey husband, whatever. You you know what I'm saying? Yeah, is I'm that, with you. The, the, old, the older I get, I'm like, when I was younger, I was like, okay, God, you know, this is stupid. But the older I'm getting, my wife is convincing me that I'm like the dopey husband. And I'm the only reason I'm saying this is because right now, earlier today, we had our, um, we have like a recliner and it had like a little dirt on the, we have had it for a few years, I and mean, there's a little dirt on the armrest, and so we got it like professionally cleaned, and this when well, we got like everything was done like you know the water vacuum and all that stuff, and it felt dry, and I sat in it, and I've been sitting in here for like I don't know ten minutes, and like all the water is like I'm pretty sure I'm soaked like my back and my butt soaking wet right now, and I have a feeling my wife's gonna be super super mad because I'm gonna come I in mean, smelling you- like the upholstery pretty... uh, shampoo guy well you, i mean you got two options at this point you either tell the truth and play it off as what it was you could go the whole i'm getting mm-hmm. old route and just say you wet yourself i think there's a lot of mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of ways that you can play this you might be the dopey husband but you can you have some options you can consider yeah well i every day i, f- I like i pretty much find a way to get yelled at by my wife um i don't and I, you're not I come to, you I, like i'm yeah okay good that's what i wanted to know uh, because, uh, I think, you know, my wife is already, uh, you know, she just, we just put the kids down to bed and she's upstairs in her room. But I think before I go to the room, I got to change because I cannot come to bed. Like I'm Sit. almost positive. I'm a, I'm scared to feel, but I'm almost positive. My butt is soaking wet. And that's, I'm be uh, in I mean, that's, yeah, that's definitely see the dilemma that I'm having is how I'm going to emerge from my man cave and trying to explain to the wife how, why I'm talking about 276 uh, one night stands <laughs> and STDs and all that stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to, mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. have some Good explaining to do once I get up there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just say that's work, honey. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> right. So anyways, um, so there are a lot of options when it comes to, you know, playing best ball The The biggest reason I like, the underdog fantasy is just for the convenience and the interface, to be honest with you. They may, they just make totally. it so easy to jump in, you know, jump into the leagues. Um, you know, previously in the years past, you know, you had to either organize one or you had to, and I won't name the other sites cause um, I don't really think it's worth sure. it, but you know, there, there are some other sites that, you know, just seem antiquated. Uh, you know, you have to get people together or you have to go on Twitter and start asking around and build a, you yeah. know, build a league yourself. This just make it so easy, and because it's so easy, last year, I think, and I thought I was kind of overdoing it, um, you know, people were asking me, oh, how many leagues are you in? And I was like, oh, 40. If you're like, what? But then I'm like listening to you, and I don't think you're alone with this, so many best ball leagues. So what is, I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is what is your 
do you have a limit to what you do and how much you do, or are you just going until you run out? Oh, man. It's funny that you ask that because every single year, dude, I start it up and I say, okay, I'm only going to do one draft at a time. And by the way, what I mean when I say at a time, uh, one of the cool – if you guys aren't familiar with best ball leagues yet and, you know, stick with me if you already know this. But So you're able to do slow drafts and fast drafts. So you can do drafts that take up to eight hours per pick or you can do 30 seconds per pick. Um, What's your I preference? typically – I'm well, I'm typically a slow drafter because I like just like firing up about 30, 40, 50 uh, drafts all at once. And then I can just like pick at my convenience. That's kind of the beauty is you don't you know, you don't sit at your computer or sit on your phone for, you know, a one hour, two hour, three hour window. You just kind of, hey, I got 10 minutes. I log on, see which ones I'm on the clock, make my picks and I log off. Um, so for me, every single year, because I'm a slow like I do the slow drafts every single year, I log on and I'm like, OK, I'm only doing one at a time. Okay, I can handle three at a time. All right, I'll do five at a time. I'll do ten at a time. Right. I mean, I'll I'll call it what it is. I'm addicted to it, and I, uh, I just <laughs> kind of you know I love playing the game, and I keep track of you know my player shares and how much of certain players that I have. So I do not have a limit. I would recommend you know perhaps setting one if you're getting started and you don't want to waste too much money on it. Now I will say that I don't play a lot of the high stakes stuff. My I keep it. Uh, lower entry fees because I play such a high volume of them and I just, you know, I like playing and that's the main reason for me. So I don't have sure. a limit. I literally just I literally just play until the clock runs out and kickoff starts and then I literally find myself missing best ball seasons even or best ball season even though fantasy football is here. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So do you uh now, you know, we talked about the set it and forget it type thing because you're in so many leagues. Do you mm-hmm. Are you looking at your player shares and then looking at how they're doing? Do you have an un- do you have an understanding of how all your leagues are doing? Do you track that or do you just say, "Hey, I'm going to look at it week 17." Um, so yeah, I'm nerdy enough that I track it every single I track it and I don't track it. So I'm not going in and looking at 276 leagues and seeing like, "Okay, this league's doing good, this one's not, this one is, this one's not." I just have a really good understanding of which players I have heavy exposure to. So, um my heaviest exposure to this point, I mentioned to you before, are guys like Will Fuller is a huge one for me. So in theory, then if Will Fuller is, you know, going nuts and he's having big weeks or he has one of those 35-point weeks, I can expect that, it, you know, about 25 26% of my teams had a really good explosion from him. So really what I'm doing is monitoring the players themselves and maybe not so much the actual leagues. And then come week 17, I ch- kind of check back and see what – uh see what I've collected. Okay. So my next question is, you know, going, coming back to the exposure question, when you're drafting, when you're on draft number 300, are you looking at the exposure or are you avoiding? Are you just totally value-based drafting? Are you getting more of the players that you believe in? How do you, what do you do there? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's a lot of a lot of debate on this topic in the fantasy industry in general, but yes, the answer is yes. I do intentionally limit exposure and it kills me sometimes because it for some reason to me it always seems like the guy that I have to cut myself off of is the guy that falls like two rounds later than he should and in that case a lot of times I'll end up just taking the plunge and grabbing him anyway. But yeah, I mean, 
usually I keep my threshold, at least on the early round guys, I keep my threshold at 25%. So what I'm doing is when that, you know, when that round comes and my opportunity to draft that guy comes, I take a look at my exposure. And if I'm already at 25, I look for some alternatives, uh, look for a way to basically diversify the portfolio, if you will, which means I'm intentionally drafting somebody that I don't inherently believe will finish better than my preferred option. But again, you don't want to put, you know, all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. You want to be really careful about that sort of thing. And I've learned that lesson the hard way. But yeah, I cut everything off at about 25%. Okay. So how often when you're drafting, do you constantly go back to your spreadsheets and look, or you just, do you just know, like, these are the six guys I have a lot of, let me slow down on them. Uh, both. I mean, I do have crazy yeah. spreadsheets. You know me, Dale. I, I got spreadsheets yeah, for, you know, pretty much everything, yeah. every STD and all that stuff. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of the sort of thing where I know that, you know, like right now I'm looking at it right now and I'm, I'm overexposed to Jarvis Landry. And that happened on accident because I didn't even realize that I was approaching 25%. I'm sitting at 28. So now I know the next several drafts I do, I have to, avoid him to make sure I bring that number down a little bit. So it's like the sort of thing where I have a pretty good idea of who, what's that? Oh yeah. That's Uh, tough. I mean, like what, like what you said, I mean, like you're going to have to, you know, when you see that value come around, somehow you're going to have to hover over his name to the next guy. Oh dude. The hardest one I'll tell you is T Y Hilton and AJ green. Those guys (laughs) are, those guys are available in like the sixth, sometimes seventh rounds of like every draft and i i just want to smash the draft button every single time but i have to i have to cool it down looks like i'm actually at 26 on ty so i really have to avoid the next one but yeah it is tough yeah it's funny that you said ty hilton because he according to uh to underdog fantasies uh adp hilton is right before will fuller uh, literally one pick before yep. will fuller um, which yeah dude it's i have a lot of teams that have both of those guys so my I won't even call it a strategy. It's kind of like the way that my drafts have kind of played out this year is like I usually get – I try and land a stud running back in the first round. Um, if any of the running backs that I like are available in the second round, I'll grab one. Otherwise, I'll go for somebody like Ty- Tyree Kill, Julio Jones. And then usually literally like rounds three to seven, I'm hammering wide receiver. The The wide receiver well is so deep in those rounds, it's unbelievable. Yeah. All right. Um, let's. I want to kind of finish up the episode. I want to kind of go through. We're not going to go in depth players yet. I think you know we're going to be doing this once a week, uh, basically until the the NFL season. So I don't want to kind of go everything all at once. So I do want to kind of finish out the episode, mm-hmm. Mikey, and just get your thoughts. Um, we're just looking at ADP. I'm just going to rank a couple of guys, and you tell me where you see and and exactly how you would draft if it's coming around to you. Um, Sweet. One thing I I want to get your uh, your advice on is quarterback drafting in best ball. Is there is yeah. it any different than you know a, a typical redraft? Um, it's different in that you you need to remember that there's no ads and drops or waivers in best ball, so you need to draft two or three. Um, so that's the biggest difference. Other than that, I'm a big believer in the late round quarterback strategy, um, regardless of redraft or best ball. And the late round quarterbacks this year are plentiful. Like you can get, 
guys like Aaron Rodgers in the 12th round, which is, I know he's had like some down years and all that, but that's still a great value for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. But for me, I'm usually not even thinking about quarterback until the double digit rounds. And then I'm usually grabbing, I try to get three quarterbacks if there's 20 rounds. If there's only 18 rounds, I'll probably go with two. Okay. All right. So if you're looking at, uh, again, I'm just going to throw a couple guys out here and maybe you kind of just talk through it if yeah. you're drafting here. Um, and it's, I'm going to name a couple guys that I like. Um, James Connor, Todd Gurley, and Melvin Gordon in that order. <laughs> Do you have an issue with that? I mean, they're all, they're all drafting within, you know, a round of each other or so. Um, yep. Connor, Gurley, and Gordon. Yep, so I'm bang, banging the table for Todd Gurley this year a lot of times in the third round if I'm feeling con- – so here's where those caveats come in. So third round, I'm usually looking at the deep well of wide receivers. Um, and guys like – so Gurley's usually going in the third round. James Conner is going – and James Conner and Melvin Gordon are usually going in like the fourth round. So okay, if yeah. I think I can get a wide receiver – like um, DJ Moore, Odell Beckham, Juju Smith-Schuster, if those guys are going to be available at the turn or in that fourth round, I'm banging the table for Todd Gurley, and I'm getting him. I have him at about a 17% clip right now. If I don't think I'm going to get one of those guys, I'm making sure I grab one of those stud wide receivers in round three, and then I'm waiting on... Uh, I'm waiting on James Conner or um, Melvin Gordon in that fourth round. And if I had to rank them, I would definitely go uh, Todd Gurley and James Conner and Melvin Gordon are so close, man. I, I literally like flip flop on those. I basically literally just take turns. I'm like, oh, I took Conner the last one, so I'll take Melvin Gordon in this one. Or who do I have lower exposure on? Um, and I'll try and take somebody there. But um, if, you know, if I forced to choose, I would go Todd Gurley – James Conner, Melvin Gordon. Sure. And it's very close on those last two. Yeah, I mean, and I don't do nearly as many best balls as you, but for me, you know, I I like to see, you know, these wide receivers, I'm sorry, these running back twos, um, they kind of all just jumble up together with me, and I just think, okay, who's going to have, you know, which one of the those three guys are going to ha- give me, you know, a, a possible 30-point game here or there to – to win me a week, um, you know, to, to get some yeah. extra points there. And for me, I mean, you know, the Todd Gurley situation seems really, really good. Um, there's just some question marks, totally. you know, we don't know exactly how we're going to do that. And James Conner, I think is for me, I think he'd be pretty consistent and flatline. Uh, and then, you know, I, maybe a spike here and there. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. I think that that last thing you just mentioned is consistent with maybe a spike here and there. That might mostly apply to guys like Melvin Gordon. I just, I'm not expecting a whole heck of a lot from that offense, to be honest with you. So I think he's going to get tons of volume, um, right? They didn't bring him in to have him sit on the bench, but they do still also have Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman and those guys. And I'm not saying they're going to like cut into the workload or you need to be scared of like Melvin Gordon or anything like that. But I think you're right when you say that all three of those guys have question marks. We know the Falcons are going to have a crazy good offense, right? Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, everybody's expecting a giant leap from Calvin Ridley. Todd Gurley's the unquestioned RB1. He's not going to be splitting time with anybody there. Um, And the same thing goes for James Conner. James Conner's like one of those guys that you know can just randomly catch like eight balls in a game. And underdog is, you know, half point PPR, so that's worth at least something. So um, 
I, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I think it's Gurley. I think he's going to get all the work, all the receiving usage. He's going to be the goal line guy. Um, obviously, the concern there is his knee, but you need to like you can't win in best ball without taking chances and taking risks on guys like that. So I think those last two are hard, but yeah, I'd probably go Connor only because I think he'll you know he'll mix in those games where he catches a ton of passes as well. Okay. Uh, how? Give me um, give me a couple surprise names that you have a lot of exposure to and give me a couple names that I think people would be surprised that you don't have enough exposure to. Okay. I'll start with the last one. Cause it comes to mind. I have 0% Raheem Mostert. I don't understand. Sorry, Chapman, if you're listening to this dude, but I don't, I don't understand how people are drafting him at cost. It's ridiculous to me. Um, I would much rather take a flyer on guys like Tevin Coleman or Jarek McKinnon. So I got 0% him. Um, I tend to avoid the early round tight ends like the the George Kittles, the Travis Kelseys. Um, I think you're, there's an opportunity cost there when you're missing out on some of those running backs and receivers that are available there. Um, as for my high owners, ownership, you want some surprise names? Um, yeah, yeah. Just I mean, I, Fuller was a good one. I, I enjoyed that. You have anybody like that that? We would be surprised to hear. So my second highest owned player is killing me right now because they just signed LaShawn McCoy. Uh, Kishon Vaughn, uh, the rookie yep. for Tampa, he was mm-hmm. he seemed like a screaming steal for zero RB drafters. Anybody who went heavy wide receivers and needed to, you know, fill in some running back, uh, fill in some running backs later. So you were getting Kishon Vaughn around the hundredth overall pick. And then they went and signed LaShawn McCoy. And I'm not saying he's going to be like the workhorse, but it definitely kind of muddies that situation up a little bit. But I have him at about 25% right now. Uh, Sony Michelle is killing me. I have him at about 25%. So there's a surprise name for you. Um, yeah. yeah. My absolute favorite last round pick right now, and I'm going to have to call it quits on him soon because I'm at 26%, but Josh Gordon. And I like sure. I I don't I know I get it like Josh Gordon when are we gonna quit that guy but I mean you cannot here's the thing guys you got like you need to aim for upside in best ball as much as you possibly can because you don't have control over who your opponents choose or what your your opponents do you don't have any control over any of that stuff you just need to score as many points as you possibly can every week and if you're looking at the 18th round. I challenge you to find guys who have more upside than somebody like Josh Gordon if he lands in the same situation. And if I miss, that's an 18th round dart, right? So yeah. you want to aim for guys yeah. like that. Um, oh, definitely. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, him or, like, you know, the wide receiver five for, I don't know, like the Seahawks. Like, I mean, yeah, you're going to take a stab at, you know, who who's uh, I, at something. Yeah, I see. Yeah. I mean, you see guys out there that are getting guys like, Cole Beasley in the 18th round and I mean don't get me wrong I like Cole Beasley anybody who's like a white rapper that I mean that's always fun (laughs) but like if you're looking for upside in the in the super super late rounds you're not taking Cole Beasley dude you're taking guys like Josh Gordon that are you know he's I mean the guy posted 1600 yards in what 14 games with Brandon Whedon like Right, I don't care right. what situation he lands in. If he gets to play, he he can produce, and that's the type of upside that you're looking for. So, any Antonio um, Brown? I do have some Antonio Brown, but I started laying off once he got the eight game suspension because, yeah, yeah. That, I mean that's half the season. That's kind of devastating, and plus you just never know what the heck's gonna happen with that guy. But I'm at 
I'm down to right. 6% Antonio Brown, but he's another one that I was hammering in like the 15th round because that's ridiculous upside. Who? Um, David Johnson. That that sure. dude is going to win people money this year in best ball, in dynasty, in redraft. The fact that he's going around 50th overall is absurd. There's He's going to get volume that rivals guys in the first and second round. So... Uh, I have 23% of him. I intentionally laid off because I accidentally got up to 31%, but now it looks like I can start uh, hammering the button again. A.J. Dillon, yep. 21%. That that dude's going super late, and the Packers used a second-round draft pick on him. They're not going to just – they didn't draft him in the second round to let him sit on the bench. So with that in mind, I have almost no Aaron Jones because he's being drafted way too high. Um, sure. There's a lot on yeah, here. David John. That's a good value. David Johnson right now being drafted pretty much 42nd overall on uh, Underdog Fantasy's site um, right yeah. after Leonard Fournette pretty much. Yep. Uh, yeah. Raheem Mostert is 55th overall right after Cortland yep. Sutton, DeAndre Swift, Mark Ingram, um, and then right before guys like Cam Akers and Will Fuller, T.Y. Hilton, so... That means yeah. AMD. I, I get the Mostert kind of fading him a little bit just based off his value. I get it. Yeah, I think so for me, what you what you do when you look at Raheem Mostert is look at the wide receivers that follow him. So you got T.Y. Hilton, Will Fuller, Marquise yeah. Brown, who's that's another great best ball pick, right? He, I mean, that's mm-hmm. a dude that can randomly pop for three touchdowns or he might mix in a dud. But you also got guys like Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs, Michael Gallup, A.J. Green, Jarvis Landry, the the wide receiver well in that range is just ridiculous, and it's it's not the sort of thing that I'm I'm willing to take a shot on. Uh, A career journeyman special teams player that suddenly like popped off in the playoffs, and I have nothing against Raheem Raheem Mostert, but I'm that's not somebody I'm willing to gamble on in the around pick fifty seven when all those wide receivers are available are available. It's crazy. Um, and you know, I get it. There's some love and hate for Devin Singletary, but it's crazy. He's Singletary is going around after Mostert. Um, and again, we'll, we'll talk, kind of go through all the rankings and stuff, uh, in another episode, yeah. but really dive deep into you know, the best ball rankings and things like that. Cause I think that's going to be really fun to do, but, uh, just kind of giving the audience just a roundabout understanding of how we look at best ball. I'd love to get your feedback and, and your insight too. It's awesome to, you know, there's nothing better than having somebody with this much experience kind of explain their thoughts. You're not going to be right hundred percent of the time, but you definitely learn a lot along the way. Right. Um, the more you do the kind of more tweaks you can make. And this isn't your first year doing a million best ball drafts. So uh, it's really cool just to, what is, I guess I'll leave, I'll leave you with this. This last little question here. What, have you seen from beginner best ball players that you can pick out every single time little maybe mis- I don't know if you want to call them mistakes or things to improve on what do you see most you're like oh man he's doing that again I'm sure you've seen me do it <laughs> um man that's a good that's a really good question so I think there's a number of possible uh, possibilities here this one's not necessarily best ball specific but you do still have guys that are reaching too early on quarterbacks a lot, which is kind of surprising to me because I, I feel like it's been 
widely accepted that the you know you're supposed to wait on quarterback in fantasy football, but especially in best ball where you know you're drafting uh, two or three, and all you need is one of them to perform. It just makes a lot of sense to wait. So that, I think that's one thing. Um, I think one big mistake is that people, and again, this isn't best ball specific, but I think a lot of times beginners have a habit of jumping into the hottest name without giving it a lot of thought. So think about Raheem Mostert, for example. And I'm not saying I'm right. I might be wrong. Maybe the dude somehow turns in an RB1 season. But, I mean, you're we're talking about a guy that was on waiver wire on the waiver wire until, you know, the back half of the season. He spent he, – the dude's – what is he, 27 years old? And he spent the majority of his career doing, like, special teams. He was never the guy. Right. And then all of a sudden you're expecting him to pop in and be worth the 60th overall pick. And I get – I get it. Kyle Shanahan's offense is like it's a gold mine for running backs, but you, I mean, Tevin Coleman is still there. Jarek McKinnon sounds like he's making an incredible comeback. So I think yep. people yep, exactly. get hooked on like, I think people get hooked on like the flashy, sexy names from, you know, of recency biased. And I think that's something that they need to be careful of. Um, the, on, the only other thing that I'll mention. Uh, and this is a little bit more best ball specific and admittedly maybe a little bit of a reach, but I think people have this natural, let's go back to Deshaun Jackson for a second. If you think about having Deshaun Jackson on your redraft team, it probably gives you a little bit of anxiety, right? Because every week you have to decide, ah, do I want to play this guy? Oh yeah, I mean, what week do you start him? Right. Exactly. Right. It it just gives you that like, ugh, I just don't know. So I think people kind of carry that, that like, uh, resentment, it's not the right word, but that discomfort with guys like Deshaun Jackson where they're like, I'd rather just somebody else take him and I'm not, I don't take the chance. If there's a spot for you to take the chance, it's best ball. You don't have to predict a single thing. You're rewarded when he goes off and you lose nothing when he doesn't. So I'd say embrace that that volatility. I'd say embrace that like spiked week potential. Embrace guys that you're you're worried are like quote unquote injury prone like Todd Gurley because the upside behind those guys is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I I think right. that's the number one differentiator between best ball and redraft. I'll have I have a ton of Deshaun Jackson in best ball and I probably won't have any of them in redraft. Yep, and and to to that point, I'm going to contradict a little bit um, because I get mm-hmm. the most hate from you. Um, but at the same token, <laughs> you know, when we're playing best ball, you know, this this is the opportunity to get somebody like that or, you know, to reach, you know, to reach for Tevin Coleman or even Jarek McKinnon um, just because, you know, one week, one of those guys are going to, you know, get the three touchdowns and 200 yards. Somebody, you know, one of those one of those running backs are um, now at that price, you know, then we have a different debate because right. it is a high price for most. But um, if you're if you really want to grab best ball is a perfect opportunity to get one of those guys with a little more confidence than you would in redraft, right? Um, you, for instance, Jack McKinnon, you'd ne- you're never going to know when to start him all season. You're going to be wondering, even if he does awesome, yep. say week one, you're still going to kind of wince week two and say, oh man, he did well, but Tevin Coleman and Mostert are still there. <laughs> you know, so every week you're going to kind of think that best ball, you don't have the, that anxiety. Um, that's a that's a great point, and we can we can spend some more time on this topic. But you bring up one of the big strategies, or at least one of my big strategies, Dale, is targeting backfields that are unclear. Like you want to, like I've I've been going after the Rams backfield a lot. 
Um, the 49ers are a great yeah. example. Like I'm, I've been going after. Well, because here's the thing: if you get those stud running backs in rounds one and or two, and then you hammer wide receiver from three to seven, which I recommend because it's so deep then you have an opportunity where you need to start filling the rest of your running back spots. And the best place to focus your time is on those unclear running back rooms, like the Rams, like the 49ers, like the Patriots, because like you just said, you can probably bet that more than one of those guys are going to have big weeks. So you just need a, like a piece of the action for it to fill in. And hopefully you end up picking the guy who ends up being the you know RB one in that backfield. But when I'm when I'm later than round eight, I'm purposely targeting those ambiguous backfields, like you know Tampa Bay uh, as another example. Yep. All right. We uh, I'll ask the audience. Um, I think this is really cool. Maybe we'll have the audience drive our conversation a little bit. Uh, you guys have basically a week to respond to me, but somehow. Reach out to us on Twitter or email me, contact at eatsleepfantasy.com, whatever it is, Facebook. Let me know what you guys want to hear next. If you want to hear some running back, we can go to a whole episode just talking about running back values and, you know, kind of going through what Mikey just said or uh, wide receivers, or we can go, you know, deep, you know, who to draft round 15, 16, stuff like that. Um, Let us know what what you think you, you know, would help you out the most. If we don't hear anything, then we're just going to kind of go on a normal schedule. But I'd love to hear some feedback of what's uh, what's really needed from you guys because this Best Bell podcast is it's new to us to get you. You know, we've always kind of touched on it and talked about it, but this is really dedicated uh, just to Best Ball, uh, specifically to the Underdog Fantasy Best Ball. So um, I urge you guys, again, check them out, uh, underdogfantasy.com. You can also search for them uh, in the App Store or wherever you download the apps from. Make sure you check them out. It's awesome. Uh, we did not plug Mikey's website, Basement Brood Fantasy Football. Is that right? Basement Brood. <laughs> what? How, what is it, Mikey? Yeah, man, I I forgot all about it. You're better at this than I am, but it's yeah, Basement Brood Fantasy Football. Uh, just because I'm some dude in his basement drinking Milwaukee beer and combing through a ridious amount of spreadsheets all the time. But yeah, it's Basement Brood FF. Dot com. Um, there's not a heck of a lot of action going on there right now because I'm a one-man wrecking crew and definitely not a web designer, but that's where you can find me, best, uh, basementbroodff.com. And if you ever get a chance to uh, have a video conference with Mikey, he has uh, probably about 400 hats hanging on the back wall. Do you ever wear any of those hats? Or are they decorative? Oh, yeah. Dude, this is like, once you told me you were doing this pod, I was like, oh, man, I got to do my hair for the first time in 2020. <laughs> so uh, otherwise, yeah, I got the, I have, I'm wearing those hats every day. I got multiple shirts to match each one. And yeah, man, that's my, I'm a weird, I collect hats, I collect socks, and I collect shoes. I don't know, I'm not sure what the deal is there. Kind of a nerd. It's, yeah, well, uh, we'll talk about that maybe next episode. Uh, for those of you that are wondering, just an update uh, my butt is soaking wet, literally. Um, I'm I'm Mine gonna too. be in trouble. <laughs> this uh, no reason. I, I smell I smell like the soap. I can I can just uh, I'm gonna be in trouble. And uh, anyways, again, guys, uh, eatsleepfantasy.com. It's a website. Find us on Twitter at eatsleepff. Look for Mikey at. Did you already say your Twitter handle? Sorry, what's your Twitter handle, Mikey? I should probably actually know that. Hey, I know I just changed oh, it once God. I launched this website. No, Jesus, uh, Mikey, yeah, come on. 
I, I just changed it, man. I haven't been on the Twitter in a while. But please, yeah, I, w- I would love to interact with you guys. I'm I'm at BBFF underscore Mikey. Man, I got to change that because when you say it out loud, you gotta, it just that is stupid. the worst. It That's went from so- bad to really bad. Um, eh, when you were making your Twitter name, were you like, let's let's think of something that people, there's no way they can remember this. <laughs> That's kind of what I was going for. I don't want people following me, apparently. <laughs> well, you said you're not a marketing I didn't think guy, I'd right? say it you out just loud. just work at a marketing agency. <laughs> I, yeah, that's the funny. I work at a marketing agency, and I am not a marketer. <laughs> that's fine. That's okay. Oh, that's well. okay. That's okay. Um, again, guys, I will tell you one more time. Make sure you check out Underdog Fantasy. Uh, real legit stuff. Easy to use app. Um, and I appreciate, uh, you know, they're partners of ours. And so if you support them. Uh, it's kind of full circle helps us out too um, so we're kind of one big family again uh, for Mikey Henninger is that how you say your last name we got some I think bumps so. in the road yeah. I think okay. I think it's underscore uh, Henninger I can't I can't remember but yeah I think it's I, my dad always says Henninger geez. some people say Henninger 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 whatever whatever you prefer let's do Henninger my name is Dale again thanks for listening to Eat Sleep Fantasy we will come back best ball episode hopefully we're going to come back every wednesday with it so uh stay tuned we appreciate you guys thanks yeah eat sleep fantasy you rocking with the best nfl fantasy football podcast we talking mock drafts running backs better follow the conversation with john dale christian and armando screaming eat nation we doing what we like tune in every week guarantee we get it hype fantasy Football enthusiasts, I know you plan to be joining us on Eat Sleep Fantasy. Yeah, Eat Sleep Fantasy. Uh Eat Sleep Fantasy.